everyone, this is Alex of All Trades, also known as Alex Maselli, and I am here with the 451 Degrees podcast, where we talk all things censorship. Joining me today is Ian Kay. Hello. Hello, Ian. So today we're talking... I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right. So today we're talking about censorship in, involving uh, political candidates and politicians in social media. But before we really dive in, uh, Ian, how about you tell everyone like where people can find you and what you're doing? Sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and YouTube. Uh, my you know, Twitter handle and my YouTube name or channel name, I should say, is Comics Division. And there's your cat. <laughs> um, I basically talk about pop culture and politics uh, on YouTube. And I basically just shit post on Twitter. <laughs> I, that's what I did on Twitter, too, until they kicked me off, <laughs> which is one of the reasons why we do this podcast is because Indeed. people get kicked off social media. OK, so, well, we want to talk about specifically the politicians and uh, political candidates who've been banned from social media. Now, everyone knows Donald Trump was banned from Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, which Facebook and Instagram are owned by the same people. So, you know, they're, right. they're under the same uh, company umbrella. So if you get a ban on Facebook, you're probably banned on Instagram as well. Um, and he didn't get banned until um, that was like January this year, right? Yeah, it was after January 6th. Yep, and that exactly. was the, the justification for banning him was because of yes. January 6th. Uh, inciting violence, I believe, yes. was the claim. Now, um, it used to be that social media companies would leave political candidates and politicians supposed inciting violence comments up because it was supposed to be um, like for historical context or mm -hmm. so that people knew what they exactly said or whatever. And um, but it seems like in the last few years, that's changed. That and people correct. have been. Yeah, people have been getting banned. Um so in 2018, I believe it was, Laura Loomer got banned from Twitter and a bunch of other social media uh, platforms. And, um, and she was a uh, Republican candidate against Elon Omar in Minnesota for her seat uh, in the Congress. And then later on, uh, Danielle Stella, also Elon Omar's uh, opponent, got banned <laughs> and both of them for so similar reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, recently Mark Emery, who's a Canadian uh, politician and political candidate got banned from Facebook during his campaign. Uh, and he's going to be, it's not a permanent ban, but he's going to be banned for the entirety of the campaign season. How convenient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, now the thing is, though, is that so with Loomer, she was banned before she was a candidate. That's right. And, yeah. And she was not reinstated upon becoming a candidate. They said they weren't going to do it. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, she was banned for um, hate speech against Muslims specifically. That's right. What did she say? Oh, God. Uh, so <laughs> apparently this took place after a terrorist attack in New York where she basically kind of made a comment about this is all on Twitter uh, about you can't get a Uber or a Lyft without it being a Muslim driver and that she wanted to start a, 
a company uh, to basically another right share company that didn't have that wouldn't hire Muslims at all. And that's ultimately what got her banned from Uber and Lyft. And I don't remember what she did to get booted off of Twitter, but I think it was something very similar. I think she was going after Eliana Mar, I think is what it was. Yeah. So and the thing is about um, now what she said, what her plan of creating a company that doesn't hire Muslims is technically um, is a discrimination. Yeah, that is very Mm -hmm. that is discrimination. Um, And that itself is illegal. But stating that you want to do it is not not. illegal. (laughs) Um, And this the thing is, though, is that as a candidate, if you if if you were voting and you saw the candidate say something like that, that might sway you one way or the other. Oh, yeah, for Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, Whether you agree with her or you disagree with her, Mm -hmm. it's going to change your vote. Now, the problem is that I see is that um, it's not so much that uh, these people are getting banned and it's okay because they can reach their constituents or their possible voters from another source so much as it is discoverability. Right. Because everyone's on social media. Mm-hmm. Well, and so it I- being basically the public forum these days, I mean, it's, that's like the biggest problem when you get banned from Twitter or Facebook. I mean, you're literally being cut off from everybody else. And that was like the whole thing with specifically with Donald Trump is that you have the sitting president of the United States being removed from Twitter and therefore his constituents. Yes. And I actually, so back in 2016, after that election, they kept going on about election interference as Mm -hmm. per social media and um, like, oh, misinformation or whatever, going through social media and swaying people's votes. And that was mostly the left crying about that. Like a lot. Oh, absolutely. And, And the problem is, though, taking out someone who's actually running from social media feels more like election interference than anything else. It absolutely is. I mean, if you look at what happened with Obama, I mean, he, you know, used social media to basically get elected. And now that somebody from the other side of the aisle got elected that way, suddenly it's a problem. Yes. But it would be kind of like if, so say that, the internet didn't exist and we were still running off of talking on TVs mm-hmm. and say you had like all this election material, you, you know, videos that you wanted to put out, but three of four uh, major news stations or like local stations won't let you put your videos on their platform because they don't like you as a candidate. Yeah. It, it's very similar. It's like they're uh, private. Absolutely. They're private, but that is exactly what this is. And um, now I still claim even they they could they can maybe sneak this in there under there, but I don't trust it um, that uh, Donald Trump getting banned from Twitter and from Facebook and Instagram is not that big a deal because he was no longer running. There was no longer an election going on, Mm -hmm. but there was still the Georgia Senate race. And That's true. He still has influence over his constituents, even in Georgia. And, yeah, absolutely. And, and they, they clearly didn't want that uh, that influence in play. Yes. Yeah. And so I still feel like that is election interference, whether or not he's running. Like anyone of 
that kind of level being banned from social media is it feels like election interference simply by cutting them off from mm. everyone. Well, it's apparent that he also wants to run again, too. So they're kind of like building in a buffer, so to speak, by, mm -hmm. by going ahead and finding an excuse to have him limited or removing him from social media that can potentially work against them in, you know, 2024. Exactly. Now, this is causing a lot of new social media like competitors to pop up. Mm -hmm. um, like Getter is actually Trump's response to being kicked off social media. And then uh, there's Gab, there's Mines. Mm -hmm. The problem is, though, in videos, there's like Rumble and uh, Odyssey. Now, the problem I see is that currently people aren't on those on to the level that they are on Facebook and Twitter. Right, because yeah. they're so ingrained in everybody right now. I mean, we've been using YouTube and Twitter and Facebook for, what, a number of years now? I mean, before Facebook was big, you had, oh, God, as I totally blank on it, MySpace. Yeah, uh, which ultimately did not keep up technology wise and, and is still around, but for the most part failed as a platform. But it's a because niche platform. It's, now. It's a, yeah, exactly. And there there's competition, but it's not getting the eyes that we would hope that they would get as to be true competitors, because Google has literally infested everything at this point. And for the most part, same thing with Facebook and Twitter. Um, that it's it's very difficult to get people off those platforms because literally everybody's on them. So I, I think it probably wouldn't have been better off if there was competition earlier on rather than later in the game like we're seeing now. Yes, I, I agree with that. And I, I, I that doesn't mean don't support the new competition. Absolutely mm, do support absolutely. it. But it's not as effective as it could be as it would have been like 10 years ago. Uh but and then the real problem, as I said, is discoverability. Like, so all of Donald Trump's followers will follow him to his new social media. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there's no discoverability there for the vast majority of people who are on the traditional. They are traditional now platforms such as Facebook and Twitter. And yeah. and especially when it comes to an election, that's a huge huge problem uh, and or go ahead oh I was say part part of what is going to make these platforms successful is that it's getting the normies on them that's like one of the biggest problems with rumble is that you know it, it's very slanted one direction and that's not going to make the platform grow you need everybody on it much like what we see with youtube and you <laughs> As silly as it sounds, I mean, you need like the cat videos and, you know, the meme videos and how to fix your toilet, how to repair your car videos. That's what's going to drive normies to these platforms. And that's when it's going to make them big and work right. Um, and that's kind of the problem I see with Rumble Odyssey. I think you kind of see more kind of like normie content on there, but it's just not growing as quickly as it, it as it should be. I think part of the reason why Odyssey is getting more normy content, as you put it, is partially because of their sync feature. Mm -hmm. So if you already had a certain amount of followers, a certain amount of videos on YouTube, you could sync your account and move. Like, I can't do it. I'm not big enough. <laughs> but <laughs> And I already have like 900 videos, so it would be kind of like a pain to do it manually. Right. But um but yeah, like you have a certain amount of 
subscribers, you have a certain amount of videos, you can move all your content in a syncing process that takes a certain amount of time, but it does it. And then, um, and I think that's a really, like, there's already a bunch of big normie accounts on YouTube that can mm. easily do that. And I think that's part of the reason why Odyssey is, is more successful at doing it. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think one of the biggest problems though, and uh, I've not checked it recently, but I know that Rumble, it sued Google Alphabet because of the fact that if you search Google, which most people use Google as their search um, for like, if you typed in something like cute animal videos on Rumble, it would give you YouTube results. And they're Sorry, like, Sorry, dogs are barking. <laughs> it's okay. We already had my cat up here, so. <laughs> but yeah, so and so they're suing them, um, or they were suing them because of that, um, you know, what is that called? When I, I, the problem is, is that there's a lot of this, like Parler got shut down because, which it's is a. Anti-competitive practices, I think. Anti-competitive practices. Yeah. Um, now a lot of people claim antitrust and I actually agree mm. with that argument because it, when it is a bunch of different companies within an industry that lead up to a product, all working together to shut down a competitor, that's antitrust still. Yeah. <laughs> and what, um, AWS did to, to parlor was basically within that vein, because at that point, Twitter just signed a huge deal with Amazon web services. And then suddenly Parler was yanked from their platform uh, using whatever excuse they use. I think it was because of what happened with January 6th or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And in reality, it, it had nothing to do with that. What it was about was the fact that they were a competitor. They were getting traction and Silicon Valley did what they could to basically shut them down. Yeah. And uh, I don't think a lot of people are actually aware until that moment. And then some people learn this that Amazon actually's biggest business is web hosting. It's yes. not, mm -hmm. it's not their delivery service. It's not all those products that they sell. It's actually the web hosting and they own a huge chunk of that market. They do. Like way too much. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it used to be, it used to be that companies were broken up at like 20% of the market share, you know, mm. sometimes, and now that's not happening. People are reaching like 70% of the market share with their company and no one's doing anything. And we're seeing the fallout from that in some of this. Um, and some people argue, well, it, antitrust is probably not um, the answer and some people want stuff like this, like social media to become um, part of the state, you know, a public mm -hmm. works kind of program. And really it's, it's, I don't know that public works would be the right answer uh, because we are talking about something that goes beyond a single state. Mm -hmm. And that's actually part of the problem is that these are global products. Oh, yeah. And the other thing, too, that it, it just because Amazon owns the majority of the share, what's the major alternatives? OK, well, you have Google Cloud. OK, so that's Google. <laughs> they own everything. And then you have Microsoft's Azure. And again, it's it's Microsoft. They own a lot of stuff. And of course, it's a it's a Bill Gates thing. And so it's like, well, what's your real competition there? I mean, they're all basically morally in alignment. You know, they're all trying to achieve the same goals, which is 
you know, the, what we're seeing with censorship, uh, the Great Reset, stuff like that, it, they're all in alignment. So you really don't have any true alternatives that are ideologically different as well, which is kind of frightening. It is frightening. Um, and that's why you see all of them work together. Like Laura Loomer was banned from a everything. Yeah, like everything. And it's kind of, it, it, it's like, how is that not like everyone working together to just shut someone down? Like we've seen it on Twitch, actually, um, because I'm a video game streamer. I, I follow what goes on on Twitch and Twitch will ban people for what they do off the platform. Yeah, I know. That's that's ridiculous. And, yeah. and we're kind of seeing that with other things like Subscribestar. They did the exact same thing to Carl Benjamin. And it was actually something down on somebody else's YouTube channel where he, he was basically mocking them for being white supremacists. And they banned him because of his comment that he made, which is ridiculous. I know the, the going after someone for what they don't do on the platform. And this is so crazy because like, so I was banned from Twitter and I read the terms of service and it says that they're not responsible for what people post on their platform. And it's like, mm -hmm. if you're not responsible, then why are you banning anyone ever? <laughs> yeah, it goes back to the whole Section 230 argument, right? With, uh, with yeah. that. I mean, they are a platform. They're not a publisher, but they are acting like a publisher rather than a platform, which is the ultimately the issue because whether it's YouTube or Twitter and you get banned, they're not going to give you a solid reason why. They're not going to tell you what you did to get banned from that platform, which is the thing that is disgusting about it because all their language is so vague because it allows them to, you know, enforce it selectively. So we're, we are kind of dealing with anarcho-tyranny at this point on these platforms. And the, a big part of the problem with that is that the, the vagueness, they'll say inciting violence or they'll mm -hmm. say um, hate speech. And those are vague. Those are incredibly are. vague. And they are applied unevenly. Uh, we can look at the um, what Danielle Stella wrote that got her banned. She said... If, and I, I'm going to change a couple of words, if person A committed treason, they should be tried mm -hmm. and then face the consequences. And what's right. the consequence for treason? <laughs> and, and that was inciting violence. There's nothing in that statement that says, go hurt this person. Right. That's, in fact, it's law and order. Yeah, no, absolutely. But the funny thing is, like, you can have people on the left saying something just as violent, and they typically don't get banned. And of course, they'll, you know, we, we've seen this on YouTube as well, where they go in a video game, you know, they have their, you know, escape word, you know, I, I, plausible deniability. I wasn't saying yeah. really hurt them. I was just saying in a video game. Or like, oh, when they say the word fight, they mean the metaphorical term, but when this person uses the word fight, they mean mm -hmm. literally. And right. it's like, when do you get to decide what is metaphorical and what is... Yeah, literal? I mean, that's how they got Alex Jones. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, they, get, they get so many people by changing um, whether that it's metaphorical or literal, like every time. <laughs> and it, to me, it's just so crazy because it's like, it's obvious. They mm -hmm. say it's they try to claim it's not obvious that it's falling along these political lines. But if you look at um, we found it uh, today, 
this one website that covers um, when people are banned from uh, when politicians, you already have to be an elected official. You cannot right. be a candidate or work for a candidate or a uh, elected official. That's very specific, which means it's not as um, in depth as it could be, but uh they go over the five people who were uh, the five instances where someone was a sitting uh, politician. It's ballotpedia.org. And it's elected officials suspended or banned from social media platforms. And it's very specific, as I said, and there are five instances and uh, three of them are Marjorie Taylor Greene, which I did not find surprising in the slightest. No, but no, <laughs> yeah, but there's five of them, and they are all Republicans. Huh. Hmm. <laughs> that seems uh, kind of odd. Yeah, that seems very specific. <laughs> And they want to pretend like, oh, no, 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 it's not ideological lines. And no, it's like, not at all. Yeah, clearly not. It's no. it's and you know what it is, is what they would defend it with. Well, they said something absolutely terrible. Maybe the problem is that party says terrible things. That would be their defense. Yeah, but you would think that you would want your political enemies to make mistakes, right? And by doing so, making sure that these things stay online for people to find and go, wow, this person's a terrible candidate. I'm not going to vote for them. But they, they're not doing that. They are actively trying to censor the opposition. Yeah, I, I would say that, you know, give them the rope to hang themselves with. I agree. Yeah. And uh, whether or not someone agrees with them, they, if people don't agree with them, then they won't vote for them. But in 2016, they gave Trump so much exposure and a lot of them thought there was no way in hell that he would ever get elected. The The fallout that night and the next day was intense. Yes. Uh, of the shock, the absolute shock that these people experienced. And they thought no way would it ever happen. But he's fun to watch. He's fun to show. Look at how horrible he is. Mm -hmm. But he won. And I've noticed that most of these bans, most of these um, suspensions came after 2016. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because that's that's the uh, the day that the the world changed, so to speak, because it wasn't somebody who was a, you know, a member of the Republican Party or the Democratic Party, as much as Trump ran as a Republican, I mean, he was definitely an outsider. So this is somebody that came from outside the system and managed to invade it in some form or fashion by getting into the Republican Party. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's like they 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 lost control and they spent the last four years trying to wrestle that control back, which is why we're getting so much censorship, why we're getting politicians banned why we're getting people just talking about things why you can't say certain things about the coof on youtube because you might well say something that the establishment doesn't like and therefore ban consult your doctor <laughs> there's so many uh things we're not allowed to talk about anymore yeah. and for those of us who are free speech absolutists we don't consider censorship to be just an issue if the government is telling us not to do it Especially once once some of these companies are bigger than governments and have oh, they're more powerful than governments. 
Yes. Twitter just proved that this year with yes, the banning of the sitting president off of Twitter. Mm-hmm. They've uh, they've proven that they're bigger than the government and in any government because uh, Facebook banned an entire uh, Australian news for a while, I believe, because uh, they didn't like the deal huh. or. It was because of something Australian news said about our president, one of the two. <laughs> and so that's the thing. They're bigger than the government now, which is why we're getting a bunch of states trying to pass um, bills mm-hmm. about preventing censorship. Because this, how, how do you address this if all the institutions are okay with it? They're okay with these giant companies, these global companies, basically taking the place of government and censoring people. Well, yeah. I mean, for the most part, you're seeing them as an extension of the government. I mean, it's like with anything from you know free speech to social credit, it's like it, we the government can't do it, but corporations can because they're a private institution. <laughs> But if they're bigger than the government, that doesn't mean anything. And then, no. I mean, so I can't remember. I think it was Amazon wants to create its own city in Nevada where they pay people their own, like, internal money. And it's like, that's setting up a government. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of frightening if you think about it. And are you, are you, do you watch South Park at all? Uh, it's been years. <laughs> okay. Well, they actually had this one thing where they were making fun of, of Bezos and Bezos was basically calling everybody worker consumers. And it's like, they are little, literally trying to do that. They're trying to build the society of worker consumers. Yes. And that, that's, that's, that should scare you if it, it is, should. it absolutely should, because we saw before the whole company store idea you get paid mm-hmm. in the company bucks and you pay yep. everything in the company store and you will never dig out of the hole mm-hmm. of everything you owe to the company that's that's not something that people made up for fiction that happened to yes people. it did and we don't want that to happen again and just have a pretty bow on it with tech yeah well, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to create a new peasant class. You know, we if we are not careful, we're going to be the new serfs. You know, yes. we're going to be poor Russian serfs that are basically serving our corporate overlords and which basically control everything, including the government. Yes. Uh, what you should want from your government and from your companies is for them to be fighting each other, not mm-hmm. in accordance. Because if they're in accordance, they're probably in accordance against you. The oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but if they're fighting each other, well, then they're not fighting you. Yeah, they're not focusing on the little guy at this point. <laughs> yeah, you can sneak by. But you're not sneaking by if they're working together. Then it's two pack of wol- two packs of wolves just coming at you. And this is this is not good. And I, a lot of people are like, I I'm okay with it because they're going after the things that I don't like to hear. Now here's yeah. the problem with that. <laughs> And it's something I keep saying to people, only affords the people on your side those powers you would be okay with your opponent wielding. Mm, Exactly. Because that's the thing that a lot of these people don't understand is that eventually this will be used as a weapon against you, whether it's coming from your own side or from the other side. It will be used against you at some point. And that's I don't understand why people don't understand that. It's crazy (laughs) to me. 
Part of it is this crazy optimism that all of humanity is like good natured. And to some extent that's true, but it's also true. The potential for uh, corruption is also there. I mean, mm -hmm. they're balanced. So you can't, it's like trust, but verify. Mm -hmm. And that's not what people are doing. They're just trusting. It's yeah. Like, that's a very dangerous thing. Yes. And you cannot be that trusting. That's how you get scammed. Well, scammed, and uh, it's also how you lose your rights as a, as an individual, right? It's like it, it's always done for what seems like justifiable, nice reasons. We're trying to stop terrorism. We're trying to stop, you know, bad things happening to people. We're, we're trying to stop racism. All these good intentioned ideas that are, you know, on the surface, they seem like they're great, but in reality, it's a lot more insidious because it's chipping away at the stone, which is our human rights, and. Yes. Um, Unfortunately, there's a lot of suckers out there that that buy it hook, line, and sinker, and by the time they realize it, it's going to be too late. And that's the thing too is that we have so many historical examples of people going, "It's not that big a deal," like yet, and it's like, "Well, it will be," <laughs> and, and we see it borne out time and time again. And I think to some extent that's why people are against others learning history because yes. it, it makes you forewarned. You cannot trust. Uh, you have to verify and you cannot allow them to chip away at your rights. Mm -hmm. And you, you do learn that from history and knowing your history is kind of important at this point, but even yeah. like something like Wikipedia is going to edit like, Oh my gosh, trying to look up, things like misandry on on wikipedia is like impossible yeah. well, it's actually <laughs> laura loomer and the phrasing they put around her you know and, and it, it's the most negative light far right uh calling her you know anti-muslim i don't know if she is or not because they literally censored everything that she said so it's like take our word for it uh which is again bad and that's what they want they want people to take their word for it without actually going and verifying it. I mean, it, there was this one thing, I, I don't remember uh, who, who the person was, but they did this thing talking about sometimes you don't need to present the other side of the argument because, you know, it's absurd. Well, it's like, if it's absurd, you should be able to debunk the other side of the argument very quickly. It's I, I don't care whether you're debunking flat earth or, or whatever, or, you know, anti, um, you know, uh, climate change people or whatnot. You've got to have these conversations because, if you don't, it looks like you are hiding something, which they probably are because they don't want the other side of the argument to, to be out there. They want consensus. And that is such a dangerous thing, because if your ideas are bad, how do you know if you don't hear the other side of the argument? Exactly. Um, and this is especially it's bad when it comes to politics and social movements, but mm -hmm. it's absolutely destructive when it comes to science. Oh, yeah. Uh, like that is where you're getting into lives lost mm -hmm. um, when you are doing it about science. Science has never been about consensus ever. <laughs> I've, I cannot tell you how many times I've read um, dissenting opinions. They're all dissenting opinions. No one is like these people agree with each other and those people don't agree with them. And then there's these people with their crazy idea there. 
there's no such thing as everyone's in agreement when it comes to science. So it's really, really dangerous in that regard. And it's actually really important because if you look at scientific discovery throughout history in any field, you will see that sometimes the dissenting opinion, which scientists can be very cruel and yes, they can. And, and can have can have extreme like disinformation campaigns against each other's characters. I've seen that. Oh, and, it's and, absolutely happened. A good example of this is the guy that basically said lead is bad. I can't remember his name, but he he's the one who discovered that putting lead in paint, gasoline, literally everything was bad. And he was the, the sole dissenting voice. And it turns out he was right. And he was. You, yeah, it's like you, you need people like this to dissent. And, and they tried destroying his career. And exactly. uh, yeah, it, it, and it was it was terrible. And it's like if, if they basically silenced him. There, a lot more people will suffer from the effects of lead poisoning. Yeah. I mean, it's lead took up like, I think it was 70% of um, the gasoline additive. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was insane. And that was for, for decades. And that mm -hmm. was incredibly bad um, for the environment, for uh, human beings. It was just terrible, but it was cheap. So who cares? Yeah. <laughs> and that's the problem is that so many of the, so much of the time, you do have to look to where, even in science, where the money is going. Yes, you uh, do. Absolutely. If you're not paying attention to that, like, oh, this one study says that this diet is bad for you. And then you look at who's funding it. And it's someone mm -hmm. who's running a counter diet fad program or whatever. Like that happens. And if you look at the science behind this one's intense the, the the war on fat in the U.S. by the sugar industry. Oh yeah, <laughs> that one's huge. <laughs> and and it's like we know we know better now that sugar's so bad for you. And mm -hmm. but we're still dealing with the fallout of people thinking fat is worse than sugar. There's that's still going on, even though we like it's come out that that happened. Uh, we're still dealing with it. And it, I mean, it's terrible. People are dying and you cannot just blindly trust. No, and, and it's the fact that science at this point in time, and this is so bizarre to me, is bought and paid for. I that, saw, that, that's, that's so frightening. It is frightening. I saw a scientist talk about that. Um, he did a TED talk about it. He was a Nobel Prize winner, too. Uh, he said that the industrialization of science was probably one of the worst things for science. That because it created this essentially bought and paid for science. So bought and paid for discoveries and, and studies so that it's not people who love science, who love discovery, going after new ideas and new horizons. It's people being paid to find what the company wants them to find. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, look, a, a perfect example of this is what happened with the tobacco industry. Medical doctors say that smoking is good for your health. Mm -hmm. And we all know now that it's actually bad, <laughs> very, very I, bad. I, I actually brought that up to, today on some post. Someone said something about trust the science. And I'm like, this is like trusting the studies from the Tobacco Studies Institute. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, you might as well be saying trust the Bible at this point, right? Because it's what it, yeah. it's turning into is religion. Don't question the new religion, which is science. And, you know, 
I have a bit of a scientific background. I, I, you know, science is a good thing. It has, you know, done a lot uh, for us as a species, but we're getting to the point where it's no longer science. It's merely just another form of propaganda. And Rand Paul, who is a doctor, got banned off of uh, temporary uh, off of YouTube for just discussing, uh, I think it was mass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which... (laughs) The funny thing is, is that I was, so I, I have these, these, uh, the blue masks downstairs. I bought them like a year ago now. Mm-hmm. And it says on, it does not protect you from, you know, the, thing. <laughs> the biggest <laughs> scary thing. And I was like, it literally says it on there. And, but he was talking about cloth masks specifically when he got banned. And this is his second strike, which means if he gets another one, he's off YouTube permanently. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, he's, he's a doctor and I've known many doctors read studies. Like not every doctor does read studies, but a lot of them do because they find it's very important to keep up with new information. And so I think to some extent people are like, oh, he's just a politician. And it's like, he's not just a politician. He's also a doctor. He keeps his medical license up. And there's a reason for that because he values uh, his skills as a doctor and the information he's gained over time from that. Right, you don't, right. You don't like if you didn't value it anymore, you would lose your license. You wouldn't re-up it. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's like, obviously he cares. And there's a lot going on right now about medical freedom. What does that mean? Um, and some politicians are fighting about it obviously. And some of them are, as we said, they're being banned. They're not allowed to talk about what they think. Like Mark Emery was kicked off of Facebook because of things he said about the big scary thing. And Mm. it's like, why aren't you, anyone should be allowed to talk about it. It doesn't matter. Like, even if you aren't a doctor, like Rand Paul, you should be able to talk about it. Um, because the internet does exist and we can read studies. I read studies. I know how to read them too. <laughs> yeah. And it's all, all this is, is so bizarre because it's like, if, if somebody has a bad take and they're legit wrong, it should be easy to counter that take, but it, it, it's making it harder and harder because, um, I want to know if somebody's saying something dumb, I want to be able to see it, especially if it's coming from a political candidate. Yes. Um, and it's just, like I said, it's control the narrative. I, I know that you mentioned uh, another reason why the censorship is happening. Uh, it's not just controlling the narrative. Um, what is it that you said we, we were I talking say? offline? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about this earlier. Uh, oh, yeah. I said it was because of um, uh, because Trump scared them when he won in 2016. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. Which I did mention already. Um, but uh, I, I, I want to see the dumb thing, if it is dumb, judge, judge for myself. I mm-hmm. used to teach uh, comprehe- uh, um, English composition at a university. I know how to rhetorically analyze an argument, uh, which is why I get really frustrated when I see people use ad hominems <laughs> just crazy you know and that's what's mostly going on when they kick someone off social media they Mm -hmm. go laura loomer is a right-wing you know conspiracy theorist and i'm like that's kind of an ad hominem like you haven't proven that to me you just stated it 
And I don't know if that's true. Well, it's it's uh, framing, right? That's how they're trying yeah. to frame a lot of these arguments. You, when you when you read it, you know, either uh, in a article on a you know actual news outlet or Vox or whatever, it, it's it's being used as a framing device to put you. I wouldn't say in the mood, but in, in um, it frames in a way that you're seeing this person as what they're describing them as this crazy right wing person. And there's a lot of people that get, you know, labeled as right wing that are clearly not, which is ridiculous. Someone might say that I'm right wing just for talking like this. And it's like, mm -hmm. I'm a centrist. I've always been a centrist, um, except for the hot minute when I was 18 and I was a Democrat. So it's like I've never been a registered Republican, but they're going to call me right wing just as a way of saying I'm not, my, my points aren't valid without actually. Exactly. That, that's the thing that's so funny about it is they're <laughs> using that as a way of saying that your points aren't valid. Yeah. Oh, you're just a right wing nut job. Yes. You know? It's like, well, there's nothing wrong with the right. And there's also nothing wrong with the left. We really need both. Right. Because they, they kind of balance the crazy out. And, and yeah. that's the thing that's so frightening about it is that they want just the left right now and the, the craziness associated with the left and there's no bulwark to stop them from you know basically just completely taking over culture i mean which way they pretty much have already done mm -hmm. but it, it's like you know we keep heading down this path and in reality we need to be you know firmly in the center because both sides have good points and they also have bad points well, and then also I, I've seen the same kind of attacks against centrists. If someone says they're centrist, they say, oh, you both sides, every issue, including Oh, God, genocide. yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. And it's like, no, no. I don't. Genocide is wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing they don't understand is the fact that you lean left on certain opinions and you lean right on the on on others, not just, well, can we just kill a few Jews? That's that's basically how they frame what a yes, centrist exactly. would like. It's like, no, that's that's not. That what is not at all say in answer to the Nazis. No, that's, no, that's not at all. Absolutely not. They we feel centrists feel strongly about issues. They just don't feel all the same ways as the right or the mm -hmm. left about all those issues. And that's the thing that it's like, we're not wishy-washy. <laughs> no, but I do think it's OK to not have an opinion on something because you, you can't have an opinion on everything. no. And uh, and yeah, you can take the time to to research it. But that's mm. the problem is that they want to shut that down too. just just take what we tell you. Yeah. Is just the right believe, opinion. Trust us. Yes. Trust us. We've yeah, shut down every propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> We've shut down every other avenue of information. So trust us. And it's like, no, actually, I trust you less because you don't want yeah. me to look into it for myself. Uh, That's the problem with fake news, right? It, it's the idea of that. And I hate this idea of having a single source of truth when it comes to authoritative sources, because you really need to see what's going on. And, and go, going back to what we're talking about, the whole thing with science, too. It's like it, it, we need to have dissenting voices because sometimes dissenting voices are right. Yeah. And it's the same thing with the fake news thing. We have to see what is out there. And if you're hiding something or burying a, a, a story, calling it fake news. Well, it's a possibility they might be hiding something. I know uh, this was quite a few years ago, but it was one of the first time I never trusted the news, to be honest with you. That no, was never here. like a thing with me. <laughs> I was like, it's rhetoric. They can control it, mm. manipulate it how they want to. But it was, it was such a big moment uh, though, is the Covington. Oh uh, yeah. Kid. 
I watched the whole video. I did too. <laughs> and I was like, this is really hard to watch. <laughs> like listening to um, that one group of incredibly racist people <laughs> throughout the video. But um, I was like, I did it. And that, and that's the thing though, is that I think some, and I, I'm a very busy person. I have so many, like everyone always laughs about me, all of the different plates I have spinning and I still took the time to do it. And I usually do that. Like, um, last year at the, in February, I mentioned the fact that I haven't done my research yet about which candidate I'm going to vote for, for president. And someone mm-hmm. said, haven't you been watching the news? <laughs> Well, the, the thing that's so funny about that is that, you know, for, for years, you know, I've known that the media lies, right? It is totally different saying that, knowing that it happens when you actually see it for real. And that's what happened to me last year was around these protests that were going on. There was that that truck driver who was pulled out of his rig and beaten by, uh, it was either, they're, they're activists. I'm just going to call them activists because I don't know who they're affiliated with. And the way it was spun on the news, because I ended up seeing it on the news like that day or, or a day or two later. And they're saying that he lost control of his vehicle and the protesters rushed in to see if he was OK. And it's like, that's not what happened. It's like he was literally pulled out of his vehicle and attacked. Yeah. But it was completely spun. They do. And, and they know to some extent that most people just read the headlines. Yeah. Yeah. So they can say whatever the hell they want in the headlines. They want to look into it, right? I mean, it's like you, yeah. you see on the news, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. You know, of course, it, it, selective editing. Uh, and then when you see the raw footage, you're like, that's not what happened. And it's, it, they talk about why don't you trust us anymore? And it's like, because we, we've noticed that you're doing it. You yeah. can't, un, wait, I can't unlearn that you've been doing this. And that was the thing too, is that, um, and what I say when it comes to politicians, don't trust their promises. Don't uh, look don't at their history, their actions. Yes. Yeah. And it's actually it's funny, too, because I've been saying that for years. And then like Jordan Peterson said something about if you want to look at someone's motivations, look at their actions, not what they mm-hmm. say. And I was like, yeah, yes, because <laughs> it, it always drove me crazy that people are like, they promised this. So we should vote for them. And I'm like, how many times does a politician promise you something and it not happen? And Mm. you're just like, going to keep falling for it. Maybe this politician's honest. They're not honest. Well, one thing I thought was funny because they they basically said that about Trump is like, oh, he's doing these things because he's just trying to make the voters happy. Oh, so you mean he's actually following through with his promises? Yeah. He did actually follow through with a lot of his promises. He was a wild card to me because he was not a politician. And uh, honestly, it was kind of hilarious because in 2016, I was like, I don't know who I want to win. Like it was like consciously. I I couldn't think of who I wanted to win. And then the next day, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't vote for either of them. But with the next day, the next day when they announced it, I was actually relieved. And I was like, I guess that tells you kind of what I valued at the time. And I was like, hmm, like I was never like a lot of people are like, why wouldn't you vote for Hillary Clinton other than the fact that you're a misogynist? And I'm like, well, I'm a woman and I don't mind being a woman. So that's not what it is. It was actually the fact that. Oh, what she, about your internal misogyny? <laughs> the most invalidating comment in the entire world. That or like. Absolutely. 
traitor or whatever. Pick pick your uh, brainwash, whatever. But it's just a way of invalidating someone's opinion without actually addressing their opinion, much the yes, same way is. that right wing or conspiracy theorist is. But um, and for me, it was actually the fact that she worked for the board of Walmart, um, and tried to hide it from her history, her work history going in. And I was like, Walmart uh, really, really damaged rural communities. Mm, um, it did. And I spent eight years in Kansas and I saw it like kind of directly how, how much it depressed um, work in those areas and economy. And I was like, they literally like went around and go and, like planning, like taking bets on how long, the small businesses were going to last after they came in. So I'm sorry. And I was like, I, I don't think that I can, I, I don't think she has America's best interest at heart. It's oh, basically. No. Why I, I, I think that was very apparent, but they, they, again, they never addressed the issue with that. It's, Oh, it's because she's a woman. You're a misogynist. You just, you don't like women. You don't they, want to see a woman president. It's like, no, it's get a good candidate. And maybe I'll vote for her. Yeah, you know? <laughs> there are female candidates that I think are that I actually admire. Tulsi Gabbard's one. I agree. I, I think uh, she has principles and she's got a lot of compassion. I think she she made too much sense, which is the reason why she wasn't selected. <laughs> yes, she did make a lot of sense. And she had a lot of compassion. That, that was the thing is that they fake compassion mm-hmm. a lot of the times. But hers was authentic. I felt like she wasn't condemning people left and right. And. Uh, by which I mean, right. <laughs> well, not only that, I mean, whenever they like during the Democratic debates, I mean, she did not indulge in the identity politics that was going on. No. She actively avoided it. And it's like, I, I can respect that. She's actually making it about the issues, not about misogyny or racism or whatever's going on, whatever the buzzword uh, yeah. of the oppressed is that day. Honestly, at this point, when someone says it's misogyny, I start rolling my eyes. Yeah. I, I can't hear it. Like it, it's it's. To me, so I, I am a woman. I do believe that women are very capable people. Um, yeah, I agree. I'm even a, a very non-traditionalist woman. I'm child-free. I'm never going to have kids. So it's not like I believe that women should be in the home and barefoot. I'm a careerist woman. Mm-hmm. But uh, women should have the right to be stay-at-home moms if they want to, if they want to go to the traditional route, without people c- telling them that they're, um, you know, internalize their misogyny yeah because initially it was about the right to choose right and Mm -hmm. and, you know and i'm totally for that and 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 then suddenly it's like well you shouldn't be uh, a mom you shouldn't be a stay-at-home mother it's like i thought it was about the right to choose i have literally seen them say that choice feminism is wrong It's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> I, I didn't realize we fought all this time. All these generations of women fought all this time for choice and for it to be not what you wanted. I'm very confused here because yeah, it's choosing, like we're going backwards. It's like you're women are making the wrong choice according to what you want them to make. So you still want to control yeah. women. You just want want them to do something different. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It, it's like the the whole thing with um. Yeah, how can you be with a man? You're dating your oppressor. It's just like, yeah, that was recent. <laughs> yeah. I keep saying this, and it's actually kind of the reason why I went anti-woke, is the um, the assault on how people love each other. Yeah. Because yeah. for me, it was when they started talking about in uh, interracial couples and their mm-hmm. mixed-race children and how wrong that was. And I was like, 
whoa, that's racist. It absolutely <laughs> is. And it's something that we saw throughout the 50s and 60s that, you know, you couldn't have, you know, mi- mixed race couples back then. It, it was literally illegal. And it feels like they're trying to get back to that point. But for different validation, right? I mean, for different mm-hmm. reasons of, of validating why this is a bad thing. Yes. It, it, it's the funny thing about it. It's like what we're seeing with entertainment, with the attack on femininity and, and, and women being sexy. It, it's very puritanical. And that's the yes. thing that uh, these people don't realize is like saying something is the male gaze. I mean, that's, that's basically puritanism. It is. But also they don't have a problem with the female gaze. They don't even think it. Exists. No, not at all. It's not, it doesn't even factor into the equation. Regardless of the fact that uh, every male superhero has to have a shirtless scene and dehydrate himself for three days before that scene Mm -hmm. as an actor to get it to look cut. And it's like, I'm sorry, but men don't actually look like that. And it's it's uh, what do do they say about women? It's bad uh, ideas of what women should look unrealistic like or, body expectations yeah yes, it's the same thing exactly it's the same thing and because three days of dehydration to look like that on camera i'm sorry yeah <laughs> that it, is unrealistic the, the, our, our whole joke with the mcu is that the only superhero that hasn't been topless has been black widow yes <laughs> at this point i don't think anybody wants to see it but <laughs> I have a serious problem with how they frame this stuff. And sorry, Missy's getting into trouble. (laughs) (laughs) But, and they try to shut us down. They try to shut down any kind of dissenting opinion. And that's Mm. a big part of the problem. And they, and if they're not censoring us by getting us shut out of Twitter, like I was, um, they are, um, they are telling us we're wrong because of, internalized misogyny or whatever it's it's the ad hominem attack it's not actually a rhetorical response and as someone who taught people about fallacy it's very annoying to see everyone do it everywhere you're like um did you guys not go to college and i'm like wait a minute that's the problem you went to college (laughs) 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 i i left college you know the that work atmosphere because it was it's not just that it's woke and it's getting more and more woke the place that i taught got more woke after i left i checked um it's also that um there's no real job security in academia right now so you i mean there you don't have your academic freedom they've taken that out that's off the table even though they like to spout that they do. And then also at the same time, you're, uh, if you get a job, you're probably um, an adjunct and you're, you're not making enough to live. So it was, it was not worth sticking around for all that. Missy. Right. <laughs> um, I, I'm so glad I, I went to college when I did, because there wasn't a lot of this nonsense. I mean, there, we did have a literal Marxist, poli sci professor um i mean the, the the whole jokes that people make about you know oh you know none of this stuff is in college yeah, some of it's there um th- there's legit marxists in colleges mm-hmm. i mean i i yeah. you know had a friend and she took his class and for whatever reason everybody loved him and i was like why would i why would i take a political science you know class that's being taught by a communist <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't want to uh i was not so the, uh, one thing about like college and education right now is that it's a lot of it's built on agreeableness. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with the teacher? And I'm not that kind of student. 
Um, I got into a lot of arguments, uh, even when I was a kid, um, in classrooms and, uh, whether, and sometimes it was because the teacher was religious and sometimes it was because they were super far left. Mm -hmm. Um, so to me, I think that's a big part of the problem right now is that building education on agreeableness traits in students, you're creating this, the only people getting educated now are those who aren't willing to think for themselves. And they're even assaulting critical thinking, which is what you need to look at something like War Loomer's tweets and decide mm-hmm. for yourself whether or not that was hate speech. And you oh, can yeah. you can decide for yourself, even if you don't have those skills. Um, a lot of people who didn't even go to college still can get critical thinking skills. It's not something that you can only get there. Uh, right. And, and that's the, the whole point of college was to teach you how to think for yourself. But going back to my previous comment about, you know, Bezos and the worker consumer, but that's what they want is they want the worker consumers. They want you to consume information and just accept it and not challenge it or think about it. And that's one of the reasons why they are shutting out specific politicians Mm -hmm. uh, because they are, and because they are presenting a different idea, the one that they don't want, as you said, uh, narrative control, Uh, they want the narrative to be very, very narrow, very, very specific. And that is uh, a problem when it comes to uh, humanitarian issues, Mm -hmm. uh, because those are not easy answers. There's not a lot of easy answers when it comes to foreign politics, when it comes to science, when it, most things, social issues, there's no such thing as a really easy answer. No, so, it never is. <laughs> no. So when Trump, someone tries to tell you that it's an easy answer, all you have to do is follow these rhetorical steps. Uh, they're lying. Because it, that's just oversimplifying everything. It has yeah. to. Yeah. And, and they <laughs> do that a lot, speci- specifically with like with the race issue. I mean, one of the things uh, I was covering an article last night talking about air conditioning and they're talking about the racist history of air conditioning. It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's like you are oversimplifying an issue. It's like there, there's probably things that most people don't know, which you know led to these disparities to begin with. But the all they have to do is painted with a fresh coat of racism. And obviously it, it, we, we shouldn't be doing these things or having these things because of, of racial inequities. Well, and then there, I heard one, uh, air conditioning is sexist. Against oh women. yeah. That, that was the old one. It was before I got the, uh, the, the racist coat of paint. It had <laughs> yeah. the sexist coat of paint because of mm-hmm. the biological differences between men and women. And the fact but that now biological differences between men and women are, no, no, don't talk about those. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing. It's like, I wonder what, what kids are being taught these days, because like, I remember being taught sexual dimorphism and biology, you know, that, that like, used to be a thing. And it seems like it's not a thing anymore. Or at least that's being taught. It's still actually a thing. Yes, that's true. It's reality. It's just not being taught as reality. Yeah. Um, I, I, even though I don't have kids and I'll never have kids, I have a very um, vested interest in education, having been an educator for one thing. And also, like, 20 years from now, I'm still going to be in the workforce and these people are going to be in the workforce, too. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're going to be part of the same society. I feel like that means you should have an interest in education, whether or not you have children. And 
the fact, and so I've been following what's going on in a bunch of different um, di- school districts. And uh, it's some of them are what they teach. Uh, they'll see, they'll teach dia- sexual dia- di- sorry, I cannot dimorphism. say dimorphism when they're talking about everything but human beings. Oh, yes. Them. Uh, they, yeah. They're like, these creatures, these animals, are. they have male and female, but not human beings. That's not true. <laughs> it is literally denying science. That's, that's the thing that, that disgusts me about all this. Is like there are innate differences between males and females of every species, including human beings. And to say that there are not when it comes to humans is like you are legitimately denying science. And that's the thing that, that I always like to attack the right with is being anti-science. But the left has become very anti-science in the well, over for, the last decade i would say but they're selling themselves as being pro-science by redefining what it means to be pro-science yes uh, that's what, essentially what they've done they've reframed it and uh it, that's dangerous i mean it, there's nothing more dangerous than uh distorting what science is yeah honestly uh, I was talking to a friend about this about the other, the other day that it took quite a long time for women to be part of clinical trials um, for uh, drugs and stuff mm-hmm. because they didn't want the um, the high rate of hormonal fluctu- fluctuation that women have. Mm-hmm. But then they were going to prescribe these drugs and these treatments to women, to women. Yeah, yeah. So then finally they started letting women in because they realized, well, this is we could be creating problems that we're not even. Absolutely. Noticing. Yeah. And uh, and that was so finally they started doing studies and sometimes studies that were very more focused on women's issues like w- women's reproductive issues are completely s- weird and different when you compare them to men. Like it's mm-hmm. a completely different thing. And it affects way more systems like our um, like why do women have such a high rate of IBS or stuff like that? Like what, what is going on there? And it could be that men just aren't reporting it and getting diagnosed. That is possible. Um, but there's the problem with us suddenly deciding that men and women don't exist as separate, uh, biological, you know, sets is that now just when we were getting in the studies, we're now redefining what it means to be a woman. Yes. (laughs) Which again is being anti-science. Um, yes, it's like, a, and I don't want to, you know, cover the trans issue or whatnot. But the idea of saying that, you know, trans women are women is a, again a disservice to science because it's like if you are a trans woman, uh, you are still biologically male, and therefore there are still, you know, genetic or diseases that affect you differently than a biological female. So it's like mm-hmm. you you can't pretend that you know, they're one and the same because they are biologically different. And that is, if you go in and don't report that you're trans and you're being diagnosed with something, um, it could be misdiagnosed because the doctor's not aware of you being biologically male or female or whatever. That actually did happen. Um, A trans woman went in and didn't tell them. uh, Oh, no, a trans man went in and didn't tell them that uh, he was biologically female and he had an ectopic pregnancy. Yeah. Like, that's serious. Um, no, I, it, it absolutely. Yeah, that's um, exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's dangerous. That's the problem is that it's by having them focus so much on validation of what people want to feel. They're mm-hmm. forgetting about the fact that reality will come 
and bite them in the butt. Yes. And in some of those cases, that means death. Yes. Trans health is a yeah, trans health is a very specific area that needs to it needs openness. It needs the science to to treat these people correctly. You know, it has to have the science and the openness. Otherwise, they will get hurt. Yeah. And and so I actually find it kind of heartless um, to it because it feels like brainwashing at this point to endanger these people's yeah, lives. It, it, it is because, um, yeah, just, just like I, what your example, that's a, it's a prime example I'm talking about of, you know, of a big diagnosis or, or not, not giving your doctor the correct information um, that, I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible. And I, and as you pointed out too, it's going to cost a lot of people their lives for the delusion of um, acceptance. Yeah. And, and the thing is though, is that, Acceptance doesn't have to include ignoring reality. Exactly. Yeah. Like everyone, uh, most people accept Buck Angel for who he is Mm -hmm. while acknowledging the reality that he is a trans man. Like there is nothing about that that doesn't, I I think he's an awesome human being. Yeah. (laughs) He's amazing. And I accept the fact that he's trans. That's just. It's who he is. Exactly. I mean, it's part of accepting people for who they are, right? It's like you can't deny the fact that, you know, he is a trans man. That is is the reality of the situation. And I know I I feel like um, Green, where we said that she got she got three different bands. um, And I imagine it's probably for trans stuff because that's she really likes to focus on that. Um, But like she was the one who posted the. Uh, the plaque, I think, across from her office that said there are only two genders. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I feel like you have to be that asshole, you know, <laughs> to to um, it, I mean, it maybe it's not nice, but it feels sometimes like, well, they're not nice either. They get people fired. From their well, the, the, the irony behind the use of the term gender came out. Because it came out back in the 60s and originally it meant basically the societal differences between men and women, what it it means to be a man in society or a a female in society, specifically within that particular culture. And and it, it evolved and changed. And it goes back to the thing with how words are being changed to set political purposes. Um, and you know, that, that the, the way we use gender is vastly different from where I learned, because I have an anthropology degree, what gender means in anthropology and what it's supposed to mean, which is how your society views what it means to be masculine and what it means to be feminine. It was funny. I actually took a global women's issues course when I was in college, and it was not very woke. Actually, it was very it, it was pre woke in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, it said she literally at the beginning of the class, there's a section that said sex and defined it. And then there's a section that's defined gender and defines gender. it. And they're different. They're separate. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was brought up was gender stereotypes, which is um, the expected uh, performance of someone of a specific sex uh, and, you know, to signal their gender. And it was kind of funny because I did my uh, my final paper on gender stereotypes in fiction. <laughs> and uh, I feel and it's like that's not the same as talking about sex. It's just it's just not mm, sex is yeah. biological. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I took a sex, gender, and culture course when I was in college, and it, I mean, it, it wasn't woke either. I mean, granted, this is the '90s, but it talked about a bunch of different things, and it, I mean, it did talk about some trans things, but it wasn't like what we think of trans now. It was like literally within like different cultures within India, for example, with the, with the hijras, which are you know the trans women, um, and it, it, it was it was very interesting. And we, we even covered the, the whole thing with like a different, um, chromosomal issues, biological issues that lead to the, you know, the super males. I think it's like the, um, oh, yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't, filters and- yeah. And in the, the same thing with, um, intersex, we talked about that, but it, they're trying to say that intersex is like its own gender, which it's not, it is legit a genetic deformity. And that is like their only place where you can really see misgendering at birth right because of you know they are kind of born with very hermaphrodite is not the right term to use it's technically incorrect but they appear to have both sex organs and then at birth they make a decision on whether they're male or female and then sometimes they make the wrong choice more often than not they make the wrong choice there's a there Um, was a history of them deciding that all of them should be uh, female oh it was a female okay it was female I know um, there was a case, I think it was about 20 years ago, where an older doctor was saying that the baby was female and he had one testicle and um, the parents were going to raise him as a boy. And he was like, no, it's a girl. And then he removed the baby's testicle and they they sued him over that for malpractice mm-hmm. um, and still raised the child as male. Um, and I think the science actually backed them up that more often than not in that instance, he would be male uh, presenting uh, even like emotionally. So it was kind of, it's kind of sad that I feel like we were just hitting this cusp, even on that front scientifically, where we were getting better information. We had more science to back up what we were doing. Now we're completely undoing it. (laughs) And then we're undoing it again. And I, and politicized science is just the worst. And we keep, in, instead, of, uh, instead of reading studies, people are taking what politicians, what news media corporations are telling them to say and taking it as gospel. And it's like, it's not gospel, it's science. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we're seeing, like, Rand Paul got kicked off YouTube And honestly, I think the science backed him up, (laughs) Mm -hmm. if you really look into it, um, sadly. And um, we're going to see more of this before it gets better, I would say, than because they're getting bolder. Uh, Taking out uh, a uh, Mark Emery in Canada during the campaign is is a very bold step because it is essentially election interference. And um, I think that's unless you have, you've got anything left to say, uh, I think we're going to be wrapping it up. <laughs> no, I'm good. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I feel like this was a very good conversation. Yeah, I and, think so too. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. So this was 451 degrees. Uh, this uh, is the th- this is the podcast about censorship, and we will be talking about all forms of censorship. And if you could walk your fingers over to the like button and the subscribe button, I really appreciate it. And I hope you guys have a wonderful day. See ya.
Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms. Well, mostly. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. The following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and may be subject to federal entrapment. Research shows that wearing a mask significantly reduces the risk of becoming infected with independent thought. The next war will be nothing like Afghanistan. I promise. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks at the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice, Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.